Hi there. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Gravity, the digital marketing agency podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital marketing agency owners and solo practitioners just like you. Whether you run your own agency or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. This week I'm joined by Stephanie Fateni from stephaniefateni.com. Stephanie is the co-owner of a traditional agency, but inside of that she focuses on blogging and SEO. She's made some brave decisions and done some clever things around her business model, which lots of us can learn from. So welcome along and let's meet Stephanie. So Stephanie Fatini, welcome to the podcast. Um, Do you maybe just want to tell us a little bit about who you are where you're from and a bit about your business. Sure, Bob. First of all, thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And yes, well, I currently, um, I've been running an agency with my husband for the last 10 years. Um, my background was in web programming and he was a creative director at the time. So, you know, it was natural for us uh, 10 years ago to put this agency together. Um, which we have reformatted and changed, but is still in existence. And we're still much happier running it now, I would say. And I'm also an online coach. So I also teach people how to do what I do, which is blogging and SEO. Now, when you say you have an agency and you've reformatted it, um, I think a lot of people in their agencies, um, they have a very linear journey. They start, they become successful, they're the talk of the town for a little while, and then things can start to go downhill and then maybe they start to struggle. They weren't as popular as they used to be. And then sometimes, ridiculously often, they go out of business. But the ones that tend to do well adapt and thrive, which is the kind of thing you're describing there. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about what the agency side of things does and what kind of changes you've made in there? Right. So in the beginning, um, we set up as a full service agency. Um, My background was in programming. So I took on um, the web programming side, um, as well as, you know, administrative tasks and that sort of thing. And my my husband's experience was mostly in identity development and audiovisual. So he took on the, you know, the, the studio side. So TV ads and that sort of thing. Being a full service agency, I think one of the main things uh, that was a problem for us in the beginning was, um, you know, managing the different departments and also the profitability of different departments. Um, What I found is that, you know, between audiovisual, print and web, um, they're almost different industries, although the client is the same. And which ones did you find most profitable? I'm just asking out of curiosity. Well, most of the time, it was actually um, the web department. Right. Um, and again, the web department was not just web design, um, but it was also um, it was also social media at first, and then content, especially. Um, if I had to look at the most profitable, uh, we did go through a bit of a filtering, a filtering process after the first sort of four to five years. And at that stage, we actually abandoned most of the web projects we used to do, and we stuck to simple custom-built websites. Yeah. So e-commerce sites where, you know, we had a kind of an edge. So you abandoned 
the, the straightforward websites to concentrate on the e-commerce ones. Have I got that? Indeed. So we, we abandoned the websites that kind of everybody could do, you know. A, lo- a lot, there were too many people, freelancers and small agencies, as well as large ones, doing these WordPress sites. Yeah. And we found that by finding the special, that special something, which in our case was connecting e-commerce sites to accounting systems, it, it kind of gave us that that edge and it also narrowed down our target audiences to people who were very serious about making a good go of it online and that kind of fed everything else yeah that makes a lot of sense i think the, a large part of the website business is really uh, commoditized now and it really is difficult to stand out unless you really focus on one particular area and be the guy to go to for that one thing, which you seem to have done quite well. Your business is based in Malta, which you, you took before we started recording, you told me the population of Malta, which to be honest, is very similar to most medium sized UK cities. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's quite a small market, really. Um, how does that market work for you in Malta? I mean, what, what's the sort of economic situation? What does a typical client look like for you? And what's your competition like for the, the main agency side of things? Well, um, when we set up 10 years ago, there were actually about 60 agencies wow. um, in the business directory. And, and they were all proper agencies, you know. They were not your, sort of your, your one to two person outfit. Um, a lot of them were larger than that. So there are actually quite a lot of agencies here, considering that at the moment it's probably about 500,000 people on the island and most businesses are micro businesses um, and there aren't that many small to medium businesses so budgets are small right and obviously that's a lot of agencies for such a a sort of modest population is there much work coming into those agencies from overseas well not most of them actually Um, most of them most of them do not have um, an international marketing um, agenda Um, Most of them would do, the larger agencies have to, the very large ones would have to because there is no way I think they would survive without Mm. some nice uh, meaty meaty accounts. Although we are lucky because we do have gaming, the gaming industry, um, so there are a lot of gaming companies. Right. um, And there's also quite a thriving financial services industry yes so those two kind of do help do help feed us quite a lot um of course not everybody will work with gaming some people for ethical reasons will not by gaming you don't mean computer games you mean gambling indeed they call it gaming but it's it's not really eye gaming it's online gambling yes yeah um so there's this the traditional full service agency side of things and then there's the the element that you you focus on yourself maybe paint the picture there a little bit Yes. So um, when I said, in fact, that we reformatted, um, what we did was we we had a look at what was profitable because we were working, you know, I'm I'm sure you've been through this yourself, Bob, you know, in agencies, you tend to work all the hours in the day. Um, Your staff is demanding, your clients are demanding. So it, it it makes absolute sense to drop those things that maybe are not so profitable so that you can do less and make more. And, you know, it's, it sounds so simple in theory, um, but you need to go through the process. And it was quite a lengthy process for us. It took us about a year and a half to make the shift. And, you know, what we did was 
first of all, print, a lot of the print stuff had to go because print, um, I believe, was only properly profitable for the first two years we were in business. Right. Um, it stayed a kind of must-have for quite some time, um, but it, it was really time to drop it, I think, you know, in 2016 when we started the shift. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think people are so used to getting their print work done from the printer now or expecting it to be inexpensive uh, that it's really difficult to sustain a print business unless you you are a specialist. Indeed, indeed. And yeah, a lot of printers, there are quite a few printers locally and they do really do struggle. They really struggle. It's very competitive business. And, you know, of course, they want to make that extra. Um, and the only way they can is by taking work from the agencies. And, you know, there is no reason why you would use a highly, a highly paid agency to do your, your business card changes. So it does make sense for the clients, for little things, to go to their printer. Yeah. So I do understand that. Um, so, yeah, well, what we did then, we, we just focused on the things that first of all we enjoyed doing more because i think that's a big part of the stress I, what happened was that you end up doing a lot of things because you want to service your client all around you want to make sure that you're the only agency they're working with um, but what tends to happen then is that you end up doing so many things that you're not happy doing that that really adds to the stress so i think it was a very nice very nice um feeling to then look uh, at you know, what was left after we dropped certain services and, you know, informed our clients. And we basically stuck with what we love and do best. My husband has been a narrator uh, for many years. So he's a, he does voice. Um, he's a voice actor and, you know, he presents events. So um, he kept the studio side. He's also a musician. So, you know, now we, we record musicians, we record audiobooks, we record um, TV ads. Um, we also shoot TV ads, so we do, you know, we do all the exciting stuff. And um, for me, the exciting stuff is writing, it's search engine optimization, it's um, getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, what actually works, you know, growing email lists and so, so the actual strategy. And, you know, in terms of profitability, I think when you focus on what you really love and what you really do best... I think it, it somehow just comes back to you naturally. Yeah, and that's the bit you've built your coaching business around as well, which is where I'd probably like to go next. Oh, yes. Yes, well, actually, well, going far back enough, I did say that I started off as a programmer, um, yeah. but I actually graduated as a teacher. <laughs> right. So um, I, have, I have always taught what I learned. I taught myself programming after I graduated and then started working doing that because it was so much more profitable <laughs> so much better paid than teaching <laughs> yeah um but i always had this thing and i always taught what i learned um so you know i used to i i actually i actually designed uh, a couple of courses locally for, for you know for private training companies that you know used to just um find people from the industry to design their courses and you know um I started teaching online. Um, I launched my first, I started off in 2014. And I really enjoyed that. And, you know, sometimes clients used to tell me, why do you give us so much sort of free information? 
you know, because, you know, you have you have meetings with clients and sometimes you can sit and strategize with them for two, three hours. And, you know, uh, enough clients asked. And then I said, you know what? I said, I said, I'm going to try and see if anybody wants to buy coaching or training related to this, uh, related to content marketing. And, well, the first client I asked booked six months of coaching. Right. <laughs> And, you know, um, their little company started blogging every day and their traffic doubled month on month and they were really excited. And, you know, we shot our first testimonial video and, and as they say, uh, the rest is history, you know. Um, I'd, I'd like to dig into that history a little bit. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, sorry, that's okay. One thing that's been puzzling me, and not puzzling me, but I thought you were probably the perfect person to ask, is a lot of small agencies, they look at the idea of a blog um, and they instinctively think it's going to be a place to put testimonials. It's going to be just a place to put portfolio and things like that. What you've done is quite different and it really is a much more natural, organic blog, but it's a big investment. Um, and a lot of agencies would look at that potential investment and go, well, I can't see where the return is going to be. And I don't know how far down the road that's going to be. And it's very easy being in the industry to, to say, well, we know it, it's going to build our search footprint and it's going to bring in organic traffic. But if it's coming from outside your catchment area, then it's really difficult to convert. And that then leads me on to the next thing, which is what I would always encourage agencies to productize elements of what they do as you've done. Um, but again, that's a big investment of time. So I would be interested to know, okay, you, you put courses together, you offered coaching. You, what was the timeline on that before you, from the starting to the point at which you could say, hey, this is working for yourself and your own business? Well, let's put it this way. Um, the timeline between when I started and when I said this is working actually was very short. Right. Um, but... Of course, when you're also managing an agency, as well as, you know, trying to build what ultimately is kind of another business model, it is going to take some time. It's, it's you know, you have limited time and you are most of the time competing with people who are doing that full time. So they are maybe spending one or two days a week coaching and they're spending the other three days marketing and networking to sell that coaching. So, you know, I would be spending the other, you know, maybe one day coaching in the beginning and the other four days, you know, working in the agency. So there wasn't that much time to do marketing and, and that sort of thing. Although um, the agency was kind of my first source of clients. So it was it was giving back. Um, Where I'm coming from, I guess, is there's your own sort of pool of contacts and connections. But then beyond that, there's the audience that you built that started to come to you organically at which point did you say hey i don't even know this person they've come to me uh, because of the content i've been putting out um yes i think that was probably about a year and a half into it right so it would be a year and a half after i started coaching um and that would be approximately about eight months after I started doing regular weekly content. Right. And from that point on, did you see much change or was it just a trickle or were there any trends emerged after that? Well, I think what happened during that period. So, you know, the, that year when I started, um, you know, doing regular Facebook lives and also regular blog posts, um, it did take some time until I saw traction and I did not realize how much people were actually watching me. You know, you get your 
uh, cricket, basically. And you see the numbers, you can see, you know, hundreds of people are watching the videos and you think, but, you know, did they just click on it and then just go somewhere else or whatever? And and you do wonder whether what you're doing is going to work. But um, I... You know, in the last year, I've flown to events where people have come up to me and said, oh, I've seen your video. And, you know, and I do get people emailing me these days and saying, thank you for the videos. So eventually people start talking to you. I think there's always a period when people are watching, but choose to not engage. And I don't think it's because of something you are doing wrong or because they're not the type that engages. I think it's because... People need to be exposed to you, you know, for a certain amount of time in order to feel like that that need or that desire to engage with you. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was just really keen to hear that journey from you because I think it's one I would really encourage a lot of small and solo agency owners to consider is what can they, they do that will allow them to tap into a much, much wider market uh, and productize part of what they do so it's not simply trading time for money. Um, and you've successfully navigated that journey. So I thought it was important to, to dig into that a little bit. Yes, well, I I have been lucky um, in the sense that when I got into blogging, I kind of got drawn into this world of the online copywriter. So I, I started hanging around in a lot of groups where copywriters hang around. And, you know, copywriters find it quite easy to jump from one business model to another so they can do done for you they can they can help people finish their own copy Um, they can do it completely for you they can just seo it for you they can create your show notes Um, they can blog every week for you or actually ghostwrite a book Um, so i found that copywriters you know really showed me a lot of different models in which i could kind of mix things around and i i think that's where my aha moment came when when I realized that I didn't have to choose whether to grow a coaching business or sell online courses or do the done for you, if I could develop the right packages that fitted my audience. What I would like to look at now is the copywriting itself. Do you maybe just want to tell us a little bit about your approach to copywriting? My approach to copywriting is probably a little bit different. Um, I, I've always written in the sense you know I started writing when I was quite young I started writing stories when I was about eight and I've got countless you know stories and and poems and all stuff so I always enjoyed writing Um, I always had a little bit of uh, maybe a bit of a confidence problem uh, because I'm bilingual and I I always knew that you know that's a little bit of a problem when it comes to language. You know, you're not quite ever as good as a first language speaker. <laughs> so I, I would argue that. Yes, I but you know, it's probably it, a it, more it, conscious it, language than a, than a native. That's true. Well, it, it probably was unfounded, but it's just one of those things. So I took a long time to actually realize that, um, you know, I could just jump in and do it. And in fact, uh, that's what happened when I started. You know, when we employed a programmer, I didn't have to program all this uh, program much anymore so i started doing um facebook apps uh, which were you know half day or one day projects and and then i went i discovered that you could really make search engine optimization work with content and i was like wow you know i can i can combine my knowledge of programming with my knowledge of 
writing. And I was like, wow, I really want to try this. So um, I went and saw a few clients and I sold a 12-month package and I was blogging every day for a couple of years. <laughs> really analyze everything before I start writing. So I have a process where I sit with my clients and we really go into depth um, we understand their ideal client, we research them, we practically stalk them online and find out you know, what they like and what they're doing. And then we develop a writing style that suits the kind of online environment they're living in. So that's probably the best way I could put it. And then, of course, we would go in and also make sure that we know what language they're speaking. Sometimes we even speak to the clients. So, you know, I, I encourage my clients to have coffee with their clients and actually, uh, you know, have an online call if they're online businesses and, you know, actually use their client's word to begin the keyword research so that then when we optimize the blog posts, they are, they are so much more easily found. Of course, we, we verify everything with, with regular search engine, search engine software. So we do keyword research and we make sure that what we, our, um, what we thought they were typing in Google actually has traffic. Yeah. So if you take the average agency, what would be, what, what are the sort of biggest mistakes you see other agencies making with their blogs? Because there must be many. A lot of agency owners are, are yeah, they, they look at the blog on their own website and it's really, something that they feel slightly guilty about not contributing to, but then they can't really see the payoff in the short term, so they don't pull the time in. What When people do make the time, what are the, A, the biggest mistakes you see people regularly making, and B, if there was one ninja point that people could focus on when they were writing a blog post, what would it be? Well, I think um, a lot of agencies just target the bottom part of the funnel. I think that is the main problem. So they tend to look at portfolio pieces. Um, some of them use it for recruitment, which is great. It's a very good tool, you know, to get your reputation out there so people actually want to work for you. So that's, that's is always good. Um, but what I find is that, you know, if you stick to things like case studies, um, information about your agency, portfolio, First of all, it's stuff that your clients are going to be very much fed up of seeing because it's like you talking about yourself. And also, you, you will only convince people who have already decided that you're sort of one of their three options to work with you. You are not nourishing uh, and nurturing people who are maybe not, not quite decided that they want uh, I don't know, um, a new social media campaign or, you know, there are clients out there, for instance, that might be doing their social media right now that in the future would want to outsource it to you. So how do you tap into those using blogging? And the way you do it is by trying to narrow down your audience. So I'll give you a quick example. And this is something that worked really well for me. Um, I when I shifted and reduce the team for content. And um, I also wanted to kind of niche down because I know that blogging works better when you niche down. So I identified a group of, a group of businesses which was ideal for me. So my background is in IT. So of course, as a writer, um, I, tend to, I tend to be good with other IT companies that really want to tone down their um, so their IT lingo, 
you know, they tend to speak in, you know, in every industry we have words where we're not quite aware about how technical we sound. Yeah. And of course, um, this is stuff that needs to, as much as possible, stay out of your blog and out of your web copy. Um, because probably your your audience or your clients do not understand these words. So what I did, so that when I was selling the, the writing services, um, I narrowed it down to IT companies because uh, I had the advantage of understanding the technical stuff, which um, they find it hard to explain to their own marketing people most of the time. And um, so I said, okay, so I'm going to start working. I'm going to have a special package, which is going to be for IT companies and it's going to be blogging and you know for companies I had identified a certain number of companies that were uh, selling software and sort of the main goal was to download their demos now the reason why I chose these was because the it kind of matched my strength and it also matched my portfolio. So I knew I could walk in strong. So my, my experience, my knowledge, and also my portfolio, I knew were going to back me up. Yeah. So I started blogging specifically for these people. I also upped my social media um, posting. And I also, you know, got in touch with a few people and booked, uh, booked some meetings. And within six weeks, I was fully booked. Right. So I think that niching down has a lot to do with it. It really, it really improves um, your chances, not only it, with content, but also when you speak to people. People know how to refer you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. When, when you're really clear about what you do it and you do it for a very specific group of people, it does make that referral journey much, much easier. And I think, you know, the fact that you choose an area that you really enjoy really comes through in your work and in your relationships. And you know, ultimately, we all want to work with somebody that's really enjoying what they're doing and is going to give you good results. So it does make you so much more attractive in the eyes of a prospect. So would you recommend blogging as a productive activity for another agency? I definitely would. About, I think it's been about six years now, um, we used to be um, resellers um, for, you know, a platform like WordPress. And you know, when we first when we first got onto the platform, um, I decided that we had to start blogging regularly for the agency. Um, so this was before the coaching. I wasn't blogging um, in my name in the name of Stephanie Viteni. I was I was blogging in the name of the agency. And and you know, a lot of people were very skeptical. I mean, my own husband was skeptical, and he's from the from the industry, you know, and. And I said, you know, no, let's just do this. Let's just treat ourselves like we would treat a client and put a plan together and get it done. We were sure that the platform was SEO optimized. So in reality, the only thing we were testing was the content. So I created a plan. We did our keyword research. And we spoke to a few clients and, you know, created our ideal client descriptions and our keywords. And then off we went. We started blogging twice a week. Um, by choosing um, the keywords that didn't have a very high competition at first. And within three weeks, our main blog posts were ranking in the first page of Google, within just three weeks. Now, of course, the fact that we chose low competition keywords made a big difference, but they were still keywords that had traffic. And business did come in um, because we were specifically targeting, for this particular campaign, we were targeting um, 
IT companies that service the iGaming industry, um, or as you said earlier, above the, the online gambling industry. Yeah. Um, we didn't work with them directly, but we were targeting the IT companies that service them, you see? Right. Because obviously we, kn- we knew that they were companies that had good cash flow. So good cash flow for me was always an important prerequisite for the target audience because <laughs> it's less, it's not as much hard work. <laughs> but definitely, I would say that it can work for everyone. So whether you're a small agency or a large agency, content can work for you. What you need to be definitely careful of is that you keep it regular and that, you know, you have content for every part of the funnel. So not only people who land on your site and are ready to buy, but people who might just be looking for information about maybe how to plan a website or how to source the right programmers or, you know, help your clients. And it will come back to you in the long term. That's maybe an area to spend a couple of minutes on because I think a lot of people instinctively, I mean, I'm a probably good example of that, where I would probably write most of my copy at the top of the funnel, but actually not have much funnel to follow that up. So how would you design the copy for different stages of the funnel? Well, the copy for the top end of the funnel for the awareness is for people who are experiencing problem, but maybe they don't know what the solution is. So maybe, maybe let's say they want to have more website traffic, um, but they don't know that they cannot get more website traffic because their website is not responsive. So they would be in the awareness stage. So, you know, a good, a good post for that would be, you know, why is my website not getting any traffic? You know, and you would tackle, you would specifically target people who have an old website and, you know, what you put in the blog posts would be targeted towards people that are, you know, in that further down the line would need your service. And then you'd go to the consideration stage, uh, which is the second stage. And here they would be considering different options. So what can they do if they don't have traffic? They can either update the website they have or they can buy a new one. And if they buy a new one, what platform will they choose? So these are all things you can address with your content. And of course, what you want to do with your content is guide them towards what you do. So if you do WordPress sites and, you know, WordPress sites are good for SEO and to grow traffic, then you would want to tell them that, you know, it could be expensive to redo the old site, but, um, you know, there are options where you know you can work with a freelancer or an agency and you can get wordpress sites and here is what you need to make sure your website has um, to generate traffic so you would guide them you'd help them take a decision basically what you're really banking on with content is that by the time they come to take a decision um, they have been to your blog a few times and they are considering you definitely as one of the options so by the time they come to the decision stage which is the third stage then all they need to decide is that you are the right one to work with. So this is where your portfolio comes in and testimonials. So that's more or less, you know, what I would put in the whole, in the whole three phases of the funnel. That's really interesting because I think a lot of copywriters, I'm going to, I'm going to broaden out most copywriters I've ever spoken to. Um, they don't consider funnel at all. And I think I really like that, um, way of distinguishing different content types. It just makes so much sense. Indeed, indeed. It's, it's a very natural way to go because everything happens like this in marketing. You know, even your, your emails are based on the funnel. Um, you know, even the way you break down your products very often, you realize you are thinking about this. You're just not doing it consciously. Certainly, I do think of it in terms of products, often in terms of social media content, in terms of lead magnets. But 
blog content in particular, I hadn't considered. That's, that's really neat. <laughs> so I guess one area that, that I'd like to dig into, I've, I've just a couple more questions, but looking at your business now, the part that you run, what proportion of that is really sort of local or referral based as opposed to inbound opportunity coming to you that you, you can't sort of identify the genesis of that, where it started? Well, I would say actually that probably probably the content writing side comes more from referrals, um, but the coaching side and the training side um, is something that people are actively looking for more. Um, right. But it's, it's probably split 50-50 as well, because like I said, we have different target audiences. So um, although we get quite a few referrals, there's also, you know, referrals that so we don't really know where they came from and they do come through the website yeah so there are people that are finding you online you can never unless they've downloaded a freebie you're not sure that they've come from that if you know what i mean that they've come from your blog yeah um but it's usually directly proportional to the traffic to your website which comes from our blogs because of course um, it's keeping those blogs regular that keeps the traffic growing and is there a in, in terms of being consistent with all the work that you've done on blogs, is there any standard routine or an ideal frequency of posting that you've discovered? Well, according to HubSpot, the magical number, the magical minimum, um, which um, a lot of SEO experts will actually back is two per week. So one per week is not a lot. I have done one per week for quite some time. But what I tend to do is um, I do one Facebook Live, I do one blog, and then I repurpose. So I actually still have two or more pieces of content. Right. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. And that counts as far as Google's concerned. Yes. It always needs, well, so far you always need to have to, re- you always need to reformat things in copy. So you always need a blog or show notes or, you know, you need text. Okay. Then my last question, I kind of always ask, it's kind of the obvious question, but nothing in business ever stands still. You've been on a journey to get to where you are now. What's the current destination? What are you working on building towards just now? Well, I'm currently um, I'm currently just launched my new website, and I'm working on a course um, which I have delivered in many different uh, many different forms. Um, but I'm finally making it available on my website, so it will be it will be easy for people to just you know go to my site um, and buy the course. So it's kind of automation, I would say. Automation yeah. is the next one, definitely. Okay. If people want to connect with you, which if they're in any way interested in blogs, they probably should, how would you like them to do that? Well, they can go to stephaniefiteni.com um, or simply search Stephanie Fiteni on Facebook. And, you know, you should find my page and my profile. And, yeah, you, you can get in touch with me there. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Stephanie Fiteni, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've had great fun. It's great to talk to you. Uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Sure. Thank you very much for having me, Bob. I really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to next time. Stephanie hit so many great buttons in that talk. One was the importance of niching not just because it makes it easier to deliver value, but because you become magnetic to your ideal client. Another was designing blog content to address each stage of the sales funnel. As well as this, we explored how she's diversified out of the traditional done-for-you model and into the coaching and training space. As always, 
please take one second to review the show on iTunes. It's the very best way to spread the word about the show, and it means a lot to me personally. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Stephanie for giving us her time. Don't forget to check out Stephanie Fatani online. And as always, thanks to you for listening, and see you next time.